Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. We are starting a new series tonight, as you can see. I know I told you we were going to do the Ten Commandments, but sitting down and getting wise counsel, I was, I was uh, um, encouraged to teach you a New Testament book that really focuses on Jesus uh, as kind of my last teaching as the JFY youth pastor. Now, we're going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about, shh. I know, I know, guys. Um, anyway, we're not going to talk about that tonight. So, but I wanted to teach you the book of Colossians. Who's, who's read the book of Colossians before? Yeah, okay, good, good, good number of you guys. If you remember, we talked about the church in, in Colossae and how it was one of the seven letters that, that John writes. Um, and so it's, it really is an instrumental church, an instrumental uh, city in the first century when, when our thing called Christianity actually got started. And so I'm excited to teach you guys this and walk through this with you as we go through this entire book over the next couple months. But starting out tonight, Donnie's going to come up and read. Use a mic over here. Yeah. Do you want to hold it or just like? I think we're holding it. Okay, there you go. There we go. Okay, then you look shorter. <laughs> All right, Donnie's going to read, guys. So, hey, if you have a Bible, open up to Colossians. If you don't have a Bible, guys, there are Bibles in the back. Plus, I print off my notes for you guys. So if you want to follow along on my notes and teaching, go grab one real quick. Or leaders, you can help me out by, go, run, run, run. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Oh, I believe Hannah could whoop them all. Why? Reading the scripture? Oh, yeah. Well, do you remember we started doing this under the tent when we were doing Ruth? Yeah, I think Jenny Vining was the first one that when we were read, I had the students started reading. It was Ruth, wasn't it? Yeah, now, under the tent outside. I that. Man, guys, crazy. Okay, let's go, Baca, run, move. If Carly beats you, I'm beating you. All right, your dad said I could smack you, so. I'm just going to say, Bernard, make sure, Bernard, when you put this on the Instagram, make sure you uh, cut it, okay? So, yeah. Yeah, Terry. Yes, yes. Terry has been, been giving godlike powers to smock, smack Baca. Baca, Baca, Baca. All right, guys. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 tonight. Follow along. Go ahead, Danya. Okay. Colossians 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, 
as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, Father, we come before you, and we thank you so much, God, for your word. We thank you so much for your grace, your mercy. And as we read this tonight, as we study through this book of Colossians, God, we thank you so much for truth, that we can stand on a foundation that isn't shifting, isn't changing, but a foundation that we can be assured of, God. Thank you so much that you've created that through, um, Lord, your truth, Lord, your calling on us, Father. Thank you so much for what you have in store for every one of us as we say, uh, we want our lives to be all about you, Jesus. Thank you so much for Donya tonight. Continue to bless her, grow her, and mature her as the godly woman that you are. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing here, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Danya. <laughs> all right, so the book, of, the book of Colossians, you guys, ultimately, as Paul speaks out his heart here, actually, some theologians or historians say this was Paul's first letter. It's actually Paul's first letter to a church that he had helped plant and um, the first of his epistles that would be put into the New Testament. And so there's a real dear and near kind of, of heart here as we read through Paul's words as he just kind of focuses on Jesus. And ultimately, really, as we look at this, this um, letter, this epistle that Paul writes to the church in Colossian, or Colossae, what we see is that the truth about the gospel and Christ. That's really what we see here is that there's a truth about the gospel and Jesus Christ. And now the gospel, the term gospel just means good news. It means good news. It would be like, hey, like good news, free burgers at In-N-Out for the next hour. The gospel of In-N-Out, I know. We'd, believe me, we'd all go right now. We'd all go right now. We'd all pile on cars and go. But the idea is that this isn't just a good news or some good news where so much of this world, so many things that you can listen to and, and uh, be entertained by and be a part of, there's, there's good news in a lot of those things, so many things, right, so many things, whether it's anything from Fortnite to NFL football, you guys, to stop, <laughs> whatever it is, right, whatever you're about, whether it's paintball or Boy Scouts or, or makeup or whatever you're into, there can be good news in those things that's not wrong. But see, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of Jesus. This is his gospel, his good news to you and I. And see, the thing is, you guys, where there's, there's partial truths in so many things in this life. There's partial truths in so many relationships, so many things, so many, I mean, like, like expeditions and, and, and you know, visions and all these things that you have for your life. There's truths in them. When we look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is where we find the truth. This is where we find the truth. And see, as we read through the book of Colossians and we study through it over the next couple of months, yes, it's all about Jesus, but it's about his truth. And see, we need to take this in, you guys. The world that you are growing up in right now is changing so fast, so, so vividly right in front of you. 
and you're being challenged. Your faith is being challenged. What you believe in, your moral code, what you stand for. I mean, the world that you're growing up in, I was just listening to a podcast the other day where this girl was emphatically saying she is a Christian. Yes, you can't, you can't tell me I'm not a Christian. You can't judge my soul. You can't tell me that I don't believe in Jesus. And then the, the director of the podcast said, well, do you believe what the Bible says? And she says, well, absolutely not. But in her mind, her truth was, I am a Christian. But see, along with that truth was, I don't have to believe what the Bible says. I don't have to believe what God says. I don't have to believe what a man like Paul says. I can create my own truth along with Jesus, along with what the Bible says. And so we need to build this foundation. We need to tattoo it on our hearts, you guys. We need to create those grooves in our brains that, that develop habits and, and consistencies in our lives so that we know what the truth is. That we know what the truth is so emphatically that whenever a counterfeit comes along, we know, oh, that's just a counterfeit. That's, that's something that's, that's shallow. That's something that's, that's really lesser than the truth of Jesus Christ. See, the cool thing about this is we don't have to study the counterfeit. You don't have to be so engrossed in the culture and so, so known about what is happening with Taylor Swift and, and what's happening with the government and this and that. You don't have to be so engrossed with it, but you do have to be engrossed with the truth. Because by knowing the truth, by knowing the genuine artifact, you'll know the counterfeit right away. Right away. Maybe you've heard this analogy before, but... But men and women that work within the Masonian that study money, they don't study the counterfeits. They don't have hundreds of counterfeits coming along their way and kind of understand every little thing about the counterfeit. But what they study is the genuine dollar bill. They study a genuine $100 bill. They know every little detail that's on that $100 bill, all the Illuminati symbols, all the elitist stuff that's in there, all the alien weird stuff that's on our, our money, which there's a lot on there, guys. Seriously, there's some weird stuff if you've ever looked at the dollar bill. Um, but they know that so well that as soon as a counterfeit comes along, they just have to touch it or just look at it and they go, oh, that's a counterfeit. They've never studied it in their life, but they know the genuine artifact. They know the truth so well that the counterfeit just, it's something they don't want at all. My hope is that as you grow and mature as young Christians, that you study the truth. You know the truth of Jesus Christ. You know the gospel, the good news so well that when a counterfeit comes along, no matter how good it sounds, no matter how much someone is so passionately and empathetically saying, I am a Christian, you can't judge me. And you go, well, yeah, but what did Jesus say about this? They go, I don't care what Jesus said. Or, hey, what did Paul say about this in Colossians? Well, I don't care what Paul said. Like, I, I, I'm still a Christian, even though I don't, I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't affect me what the Bible says. You're going to know really quick, well, that's a counterfeit. But the thing is, guys, as you grow and mature, you're not going to stay at Calvary Monterey the rest of your life, probably. Many of you are going to go to college, get jobs in other states or other parts of the world, and you're going to try to find a church. You're going to walk into a church, and you're going to listen to the pastor, and you're going to know very quickly, if you know the truth and you know the foundation, you're going to know very quickly, is this a church I need to be a part of? Is that pastor preaching truth, or is he pe preaching a counterfeit? And, and hopefully, you'll know the truth so well that that counterfeit will just be nothing you need. Now, William Barclay, was a, he's a theologian, dead now, which... You know, old dead guys are the best ones to read about because they seriously, like, had no, they just, like, took no bullpucky. They're awesome. All right, so <laughs> he said, it is not until a man finds his faith opposed and attacked that he really begins to think out the implications of that faith. It is not until the church is confronted with some dangerous heresy that she begins to realize the riches and the wonder of orthodoxy. See, the thing is, you guys, as you study this truth, as you hold on to this truth of Jesus Christ, that, like, you will be challenged. That truth will be challenged in your life. Your faith will be challenged. But see, that challenge 
like if you are founded in, their, in, their, in your faith and the truth of Jesus, that challenge will come against you and will just cement you more in what you believe. Like will cement you more in the truth. That's the cool thing about standing in the truth. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have any wiggle room. The truth is what the truth is. Jesus is who he is. There's no wiggle room in it. And so when, the, when, you're, when your faith is attacked, when your faith is pushed against, it just cements you more. Right? It just cements you more in who you are and what you believe. The main idea of chapter 1 here, and we'll kind of go over this multiple times as we study through chapter 1, but knowing the truth about the power of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ is the believer's best protection against deception or against heresy or against falsehood or the counterfeit, guys. Knowing the truth about the power of the gospel, knowing the person of Jesus Christ is our greatest offense. Just like that money study, just like that man or woman in the Smithsonian that studied the money, like that was their greatest offense against the counterfeit. Ours is the greatest offense against what comes against our faith is knowing who Jesus is in and out, guys. Okay? So truth. we got to know what truth is. we got to stand for it, and we got to believe in it, guys. <laughs> that was a good one. Truth. <laughs> you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> no? Princess Bride? You guys, yeah? I feel like my memes have just been off lately. Yeah. You guys, I know the, the yeah. I'm sorry, guys. My memes aren't on point. I'm sorry. I should get what? The mustache? Uh, I can't do it. I can't be the Mills, man. The Mills, they all had the mustache on Sunday. Do you guys see the Mills all sitting up here up front on Sunday? They're all of them. They all, all had the mustache going on. So, All right, guys. All right, let's get into this. Right? Let's get into this. Let's understand what this is. So first off, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the saints, the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace you and peace from God our Father. Very, very typical way to start a letter in ancient times in the first century. A lot of times when we write a letter at the end, we say, sincerely, Joshua, or best wishes, or God bless you, you know. But at the very beginning of the letter, this is where the, the, the writer would put their name and really what their whole purpose was. Paul saying, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ uh, by the will of God. Timothy is with him, right? Remember, Timothy was his protege or his disciple that he ended up leaving in Ephesus to, to be the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Uh, I think Timothy was the first youth pastor, honestly. Um, to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ Jesus at Colossae, grace and peace from our God, the, our Father, okay? Very, very typical way to start it, but very heartfelt. Both grace and peace was both a Jewish and a Greek way to start a letter, and so what does this say about us? As Paul writes this, what does it say about him as a human, as Timothy, as us? Well, it says that God's grace and peace in a person's life come from knowing the power of the gospel. Basically, as Paul says that grace and peace be to you or be upon you, well, the way that we respond to this or the way that we understand this is that knowing grace and peace only comes from knowing the power of the gospel. True grace, true peace, understanding what this is about. Now, how do we respond and act when we are living according to the gospel of truth? How do we respond? How do we act? I think there's a couple things we can gather from this. Well, we respond by walking each day in first truth, understanding what truth is, understanding that within truth there is no compromise. Within truth we find, we find deliverance, we find freedom. See, there's so much, you guys, when, when someone leaves the faith, when someone walks away from Jesus to, to kind of encounter the theology of the world, they're just taking, they're, they're leaving one religion to gain another one. And I guarantee that religion out there has less freedom, has less, less privilege, has, has actually more bonding them 
and, and chaining them than what Jesus has for us. See, the truth of Jesus Christ, you guys, Christians that walk in the truth of Jesus, the gospel, we have freedom. We truly do. Because within that truth, we understand who we are. We understand what our identity is. We understand what our sex and gender is. We understand where, what our purpose is, which is to know God and to make him known. Second, we walk in light. And what I mean by this is that we walk in a place of no, no lying, you guys. We, we don't deceive ourselves. We don't deceive those around us. And I don't just mean in a hypocrisy way. That's a typical way for us to look at it as Christians, that we act one way around one group of people, and then we act another way around church people. That, that's a type of it. Of course we want to walk in the, in the light where we are the same no matter where we are, no matter where we go. But ultimately, you guys, the, the, the fact that, that who we are is, just, is, is in Jesus, and this, this is just the truth of it, the light of it, that there's no, there's no deceiving in it. There's no, there's no place of darkness in it. And this isn't just outwardly, but inwardly. See, when we walk in this place of light, you guys, we, we don't walk in a place of guilt or shame. See, guilt and shame bring darkness. Guilt and shame make me hide, makes me come to a place of, like, I don't want to confess my sin. I don't want to have brothers or sisters around me that will convict me and hold me accountable that I can confess to. See, darkness does that to us. But see, walking in the light brings real grace, brings real peace, because I can walk in truth. I can go to bed at nighttime, lay my head down on a pillow without any guilt, without my mind starting to play through, man, all the things that I'm hiding from those around me. It brings life. Third there, it's God's grace. So you, you guys, grace is something that you can't earn, you can't achieve by your own will. Grace is just God's gift to you. Grace is God saying, man, I've taken the sin, I've taken the burden, and I want you to walk as you were supposed to be created in my image, created in God's image. And being a created in God's image, man, that gives us so much. Those are those passions, those desires, those things that you really enjoy in life, things that are particular to you, things that you get to create and invent things. You get to draw and you get to write and you get to dance and you get to use your athletic abilities and you get to work with your hands and your mind. Like those are all the things that God has given you and it's grace because you didn't earn any of that. It's just in your genetic code, right? Some of you guys are amazing athletes. Guess what? Still at the beginning of every day, guess who makes your heart beat? God does. Some of you are incredibly intellects, right? You just have incredible minds. But at the end of the day, who's making your synapses fire? God, you guys. At the end of the day, did you earn any bit of your salvation? Did you, been, did you earn any bit of what Jesus has given you? Absolutely not. It's Jesus. That's God's grace. And lastly, God's peace. See, in a world, especially where your guys' generation is kind of defined by the anxiety and fear and stress, in God's truth, you guys, in God's gospel, we find a peace. A, a big peace where one day you will die, right? You, I know you don't think about this a whole lot, middle schoolers or high schoolers, but one day your life will end. It's going to happen, right? It happens to the best of us. It's the great equalizer of mankind. You will die one day. But see, the peace we have is that when you die, your last breath here is your first breath with, with, in heaven with your father. Right? That's the big peace. But see, the little peace is now each and every day that I wake up, and I have a purpose. God has a calling for me. There's, there's men and women, there's boys and girls around me that need to know about my faith, that need to know about Jesus, and I get to be a part of that kingdom work. God has something for me. God knows who I am. You guys, there's such peace in that. My identity doesn't have to be questioned. My mind doesn't have to constantly go on, like, what do people think about me? And what about all this? Do I have incredible riz? Or am I just this total dud, right? Like, like, like your mind doesn't have to go there, guys and gals. <laughs> Because the fact is, <laughs> the fact is you have this peace with Jesus. You have this peace in who God has called you to be. 
I know, Corbin, you're a little Risley bear. We get it. We get it, man. You guys see Corbin's new haircut? Woo! All right. So this is the first part. This is, this is living in God's grace, God's peace, okay? Let's move on, guys. Uh, verses 3 through 8, he then says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Verse 5, because of, of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the, in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit increasing, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Verse 7, just as you learned it from uh, effort. Oh my gosh, Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has, has made known to us your love in the Spirit, okay? Now, as Paul continues in this letter, what he now basically wants to encourage him, that like, I've heard of your love, I've heard of the way that you're serving Jesus. Now, what does this say about God? As Paul lays this out to the, the church in, Col- in, in Colossae, what does this say about God? Well, it says that God's gospel message bears fruit in believers and grows all over the world. Basically, as Paul is hundreds of miles away in Ephesus, and you guys, there's no internet 2,000 years ago. There's no cell phones, okay? You give someone a letter, and they jump on a horse or a camel, and they ride hundreds. I mean, think about it. I mean, how many of you guys have even walked 10 miles, a 10-mile stretch, right? Maybe a handful of you guys, right? You've done some backpacking, or, you know, you've done 10 miles. You've been to Disneyland, you've done like 15 miles, 20 miles in a day, right? Like, Hundreds of miles, walking hundreds of miles, riding a horse for hundreds of miles. And yet the fruit, listen, the fruit that was happening in the church in Colossae was being heard of all over the world, all over the Roman world. And so God's gospel, you guys, message bears fruit in believers and grows all over the world. Now, what fruit should be evident in our lives when we live by God's gospel message? What fruit should there be? What fruit does Paul pull out of from verses 3 through 8? Now, we have the fruit of the Spirit, right, in the New Testament, love, joy, peace, right, that whole shazam there. But see, what does Paul bring out here, right? What does Paul bring out? Well, the first one is thankfulness. He just brings out thankfulness, basically saying, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankfulness just needs to be something that is, is a part of who you are as a Christian. Thankful for your parents, thankful for your siblings, thankful for the school that you go to, the abilities you have, the gifts that you have. Right? Thankfulness for just the life, the air in your lungs, that you know, your involuntary respiratory system. Right? Did any of you guys tell your lungs to start pumping this morning? No. You just woke up, and they're doing their thing. Right? Praise God. Or else Abby would have shown up at your house. Like, like, <laughs> the thing is, guys, like, thankful. Just be thankful. I guarantee if you're having a hard time in life right now, if you're just like angsty and you're mad and you're just like hard in your own skin right now, you just want to tear yourself out, like, when was the last time you just sat down and you just wrote out what you're thankful for? But you just were thankful for. And start with the little things, right? Second is prayer. Prayer needs to be a fruit of our life. Sometimes we think of prayer as like, not as a fruit, but as this like action that we do in silent. But see, prayer defines who you are as a Christian. Prayer is like this kind of modular that, te- that says like how mature you are in Christ. Like you show me a Christian that is praying consistently, that has a, a prayer habit in their life, and I'll show you a mature man or woman in God. Show me someone that does not have prayer as something that's consistent, and, and I'll show you an immature Christian. It's something that, that, that is a fruit of a mature tree, okay? Third there, encouragement. That we encourage one another. Sarcasm just like 
flows out of your generation. I don't understand it. Like, you, guys are just, you guys have mastered sarcasm, right? It's annoying at times. It's horrible, okay? The opposite, and you guys, shh, no, bunch of, shut up. All right, shh. Sarcasm basically means to tear the flesh, all right? That's basically what sarcasm means. Where encouragement, you could think of like healing the flesh. Like it's the opposite of it. Encouragement should be something that defines who you are as a Christian. Within your, your group of friends that are brothers and sisters that, that, that are Christians together, right? Your small group. The fact is, like, there should be an encouragement, a spirit of encouragement there, not one of sarcasm. Fourth, you guys, hope, right? Hope should just be something that bubbles out of us, that just comes out of who we are, because there is always hope. No matter how down in the pit somebody is, there is always hope because God is hope, you guys. Courage. I know we don't usually say courage is a fruit of the Spirit, but I believe that a maturing Christian, a young man or woman who knows who they are in Jesus, they walk with courage. They can say no to a friend when that friend is drawing them down the wrong path. They can say no to a relationship. No matter how cute that boy or girl is, they can have courage to say, no, that person is not something that's good for me. Right? They can, they can look at their life and they can walk with courage knowing who they are in Jesus and who Jesus is to them. I have another one in there, tenacity. Right, just as the church in Colossae, they were living in a town. They were, the church there was, was not surrounded by Christians. Right? The church there was, or the town there was not one of Christian influence. It was in the Roman world. They worshipped Caesar. They worshipped these false Roman gods. And yet they had tenacity to spread the gospel, to preach the gospel, and to, to, so that it's, it's known throughout the world, the fruit that they were bearing. They had tenacity. They had endurance, you guys. Right? The fruit of a Christian is, a, is endurance. You guys have heard me say this before, but this, is, this Christian walk is, is a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long-distance walk, you guys. It's a long-distance hike, hike, and we need endurance to get through it. And lastly, you guys, the last bit of fruit is faith. They need faith. We need faith. See, the thing is, no matter how much tenacity, no matter how much endurance, you guys, courage, hope that we have, the fact is you and I, we are called as Christians to walk by faith. If there is not a level of faith in your life where you are trusting God to walk through a door, to walk through a valley, and you don't know what the other side is, if there's not some type of level of faith, then you're not pursuing God, guys. A pursuit of God is a pursuit of faith. It really is. Faith, really, and I put this as the last one, because walking by faith, trusting God as God opens a door and says, will you trust me? Will you come? Will you walk through this? And you do that, and not knowing what's on the other side, but yet knowing that God will be there, that faith foundation builds the rest of these fruit. See, the church in Colossae, these Christians in in Colossae, they were walking by faith, knowing that they could be killed, knowing that they could could be tortured or persecuted for their faith, but yet they were trusting God. And then all those other fruit, right, all those other fruit, endurance, tenacity, courage, hope, encouragement, prayer, thankfulness, all those other grow from a life that is pursuing faith, a Christian life that is pursuing faith. And lastly, as we finish verses 9 through 14, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. He has delivered Sorry, he has delivered us from the domain, domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
As Paul finishes this little section of encouragement to the church in Colossae, to these Christians, you guys, what does it say about us? What does Paul's final part of this section of the letter say about us? Well, I think it says that God is pleased. God is pleased when believers grow in knowledge and character and when they express gratitude for their salvation. I think God is pleased when Christians come to the foundation of understanding the truth of who they are. When believers grow in the knowledge and the character of God. When they understand more of the God that created them. God wants us to pursue him. He wants us to come after him. He desires for us to come deeper and, and more in, in, in the understanding of our salvation. But see, the thing is, like, we have to make that choice. Every day we have to make that choice. We have to build these habits in our life. So then the logical question is, why is God pleased when his followers live in gratitude and salvation? Why is God pleased? Well, I believe, as we kind of follow along with what Paul said there in verses 9 through 14, well, he's pleased because we are, we are a people who live, uh, live by with the, um, that's a total mistake, live by the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. All right, let me say it again. We are a people who live with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do you ever have the, the um, ability to read the book of Proverbs multiple times over? Right, there's 31 Proverbs. There's usually 30, 31 days in a month. But to read the book of Proverbs is a, is a continual and consistent understanding of what is wisdom and what is understanding. But not just wisdom and understanding to, like, a, like as the world has it, but wisdom and understanding by God's spiritual nature. And so God is pleased, you guys, when Christians choose to grow in wisdom and understanding, not just to, to be naive to the world, not just to be naive to what's happening around us, but to understand who God is. Right? Daniel is out right now. Ready? Everyone start clapping. <laughs> oh, we got him. I love it. Did you get that, Danya? Yeah, he's, he's starting. <laughs> All right, go back. All right, come back to me. Okay. Sorry, Daniel. Love you, man. You're out, dude. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's going on the Instagram. <laughs> okay. All right, number two there, right? We walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, okay? We walk in a manner that, that's, that pleases God, not pleases self. And this is a reoccurring theme in your Christian walk. Am I going to build God's kingdom or am I going to build my kingdom? Am I going to do what God is calling me to do today or am I going to do what I want to do today? I mean, you guys, this is the constant pull. This is the constant struggle, the tension point of so many Christians is in well, every one of us, actually. Am I going to live within my flesh and my desire today or am I going to live within God's calling on me? Okay. Number three there, we bear fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, okay? And every work that we do, you guys, and the, and the heart that we have, right, whether it's making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you guys, or it's getting ready for school, or it's, it's obeying your parents, or being kind to your sibling, or it's, it's the sportsmanship you have on the field, the type of music you listen to, the movies you watch, you guys, the TV shows that you binge, like, are you doing it to honor God, right? Is there, is there, is there a conscience in you that says, like, hey, this is too much of that show, Right? Or this is too much of that music. Or, hey, this relationship, yeah, like have boundaries with it because it's not healthy for you. Right? Are we honoring God with these things and increasing in that knowledge? See, that, that understanding of God and, and understanding of serving him and just your daily actions, as you say yes to God and no to the flesh, what that does is actually increases over time. 
It's like your tolerance and your, your ability to withstand the world and yet stay strong in the Lord just kind of builds. It's almost like building muscles, right, or building a, 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 a tension for those type of things. Have you guys ever watched a, a professional rock climber before, right? They're, they're, in, they're incredible, right? They're just incredible. Right? The way that they're, they're, their forearms just can hold tension for so long, okay? But, see, they didn't just start that way. They had to build those tensions, Right? Any one of us in this room, if we tried to climb, you know, like any type of level above like a one, the fact is like, like your form would just start cramping and like pretty quick. Yeah, it wouldn't. It? <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway. And lastly, we are strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Okay. So why is God pleased when his followers live in gratitude and salvation? Well, last one, we are strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance, patience, and joy. See, you guys, God is pleased when, when his, his, his believers, when Christians endure by the faith, right? They, when they endure in the truth, when they walk by, by faith each and every day, when they choose to serve God rather than self, this pleases God. It actually does. Like, like you see this all through the Old Testament when he says to the Jewish people, if you choose to serve me, there will be blessing. You choose to turn from me, there won't be blessing, okay? And it, it really transfers to us today. When we choose to serve God, when we choose to honor him, when we choose to read his word, when we choose to pray, when we choose to have this habit in our life, we actually see God's blessing. And it grows and it matures within us, you guys. All right, and a little side note that I wanted to show you guys. Um, God is also full of joy because we, because we get to live within his inheritance. If you look at verses 12 through 14, he says, it says, Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, he has delivered us from the dominion or domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I mean, God is pleased because you and I, through this life, as we walk through this life, as we choose to serve him, as we grow and as we mature, as we choose his kingdom over our own, really what we get to have is his inheritance. We get to walk in the inheritance of Jesus Christ, you guys. We've been adopted into his family. We are now sons and daughters of God most high. Right? Like, this is an amazing truth that no matter what happens to you in this life, no matter what you've been through or what you will go through in this life, the fact is it pleases God when he looks upon you, his son or his daughter, and he knows that, that you are within his family. You've been adopted. You are in, in his inheritance. Just as a firstborn son or daughter would receive the inheritance from their father, you guys, we get to enjoy that because of Jesus' work. I love how Paul just kind of puts that in there towards the end of this section. Now, as we finish this teaching tonight, guys, as we continue to look to truth and what truth is and, and to, to be founded in that truth of the gospel of Jesus, I have a couple applications. The first one, strive to know God so you can know his grace and peace, okay? Now, when I say strive, right, so many of us have certain things that we want, to, we want to achieve in this life, whether you're a gamer and you want to achieve whatever gamers achieve, or you're an athlete and you want to achieve, you know, that goal or that MVP, right, or you're an artist and you want to start right, painting a certain way, whatever you're at, your dance or whatever it is that you want to achieve, you strive for that goal. None of that comes just easy to you, right? Maybe some of it comes easy, but the fact is if you want to become the best of the best, the fact is you got to work hard for it. You have to strive for it, right? Any professional athlete, any CrossFit, any Olympian, they are literally in the top 1% of the best at what they do. That did not just happen overnight. They didn't just get it through osmosis, right? They didn't just sleep on the book that says how to do it and it osmosis into their brain. It doesn't work like that. But they work hard. They, they, they strived in their life to achieve that. In the same way, Christians, we have to strive to know God. 
It doesn't just happen by osmosis, right? If you look down the, down the road 10 years from now, whether you're 13 looking at 23 or 18 looking at 28, the fact is what you have is the man or woman that you desire to be, that doesn't just happen. You're not just going to wake up when you're 27 and a half and go, I'm the godly man or woman that I desired to be 10 years ago. No, you start now. You start striving to be as God has called you to be. I put this silly little saying, like, no God, no peace. No God, no peace. Right? They used to make shirts like that all the time. I don't know. I'm sure I wore a couple of them. Anyway, second application there. Examine the fruit in your life. What kind of tree are you? Better yet, what kind of tree do others say that you are? All right? When we look at the fruit that we, came, that we went over there, um, that Paul lays out there, does that fruit produce your life, Gavin? Does that fruit produce in your life who you are? And you can look in the mirror and see, see what kind of fruit you're producing. Right? Is it spiritual fruit? Is it fleshly fruit? But then if you ask, like, those around you, right, those that you go to school with, those that you go to sports with, those that you hang around, what kind of tree would they say you are? Do you think that you're an orange tree? Right? But they're all like, nah, he's an apple tree. Right? Like, like, what do they say? Think about that. Examine that. Because if you say you're an orange tree, I hope that you're living in such a way that everyone else around you goes, yeah, without a doubt, they're an orange tree. If you say that you're a Christian, right, and you produce spiritual fruit, I would hope that everyone around you would say, yeah, without a doubt, they're a Christian. They are producing spiritual fruit. And last application, you guys, are you living in a place of gratitude and security in salvation in Jesus, right, in the salvation that Jesus offers? Now, salvation, you guys, gratitude, security, this is that grace and peace that Paul is talking about at the very beginning of this letter. Are you living in that or are you living in a place of anxiety, a place of fear, a place of worry? I would ask you to examine that, to talk to God about that, write that out. Right? Because as Christians, you guys, we're not to live in a constant place of anxiety. We're not to live in a constant place of fear and worry. Those things come upon us. We're all, we're all human, absolutely. But a constant place of that, that's not, that's not the habit. That's not the consistency God wants in your life. So now you're going to go into small groups, you guys. Okay? You're going to talk about this? I know, small groups are great. You like that better than me. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I like it better than, than me anyway. Okay? So, Father, we thank you so much for this night. We thank you for your... Your praise, Lord, that you allow us to bestow upon you. We thank you for worship, God, that we get to sing to you. We thank you for your word, that we get to read it and study it. God, we give you this night. We give you this time. God, bless small groups. Let it just be absolutely awesome. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.